Hey, church, by the time you see this, I will be in Jacksonville, Florida, speaking at Celebration Church. And I invited one of my good friends, great speaker, great leader in the U.K., Dave Smith, to come and speak to us. Dave has a dynamic church. I spoke there a year ago in England. Uh, he's, he's, he's so smart. Listen, you'll be surprised that he even lets me be his friend. <laughs> he's one of the leading speakers, leading pastors on the continent. And I want you to give today a great big Seacoast welcome to Dave Smith as he comes to share the word. Thank you so much. I want to say a big welcome to everybody, wherever you're watching in the various Seacoast locations or you're watching online. I want to say it really is an honor to be here this weekend. In case you're struggling and need a translator, this is the real way to speak the King's English. Uh, no, but it really is so good to be here. I love Pastor Greg. He's been a great inspiration to me personally. In fact, you as a Seacoast Church family have been an amazing inspiration to many people across the world. I'd like us to join together and put our hands together for Pastor Greg, the leaders here, for all that God's done in Seacoast. Let's give God praise. Father, we thank you and give you all the glory. Today, I want to encourage you no matter what season you're in in your life. It may be right now that you're going through a really tough season. Or you say, no, actually, my life is blessed. You may be in a settled season or in a season of great transition. But I've got good news for you. God is the God of all seasons. And I believe he has a plan and a purpose for every season of our life. It's really good to know what season we're in to learn the lessons, and to believe that God can take us through that season into his A1 plan for our lives. In order to illustrate that, I want to use the Old Testament character Joseph. He's one of my favorite characters. I've written a whole book on Joseph called Living the Dream. And Joseph's story is found in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. You'll be glad to know that we're not going to work through all 13 chapters of that story. Instead, what I'd like to do is take a short summary of the Joseph story from Acts chapter 7, where Stephen is speaking before the Sanhedrin, and he just uses a couple of verses to summarize the whole Joseph story. And if you've got your message outline, you'll find those scriptures there. Particularly, want to focus in on Acts chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. From those couple of verses, and as we look back at the Genesis account, you'll notice that there are basically three main seasons of Joseph's life. And I've learned a lot from my own life, and I trust it will be helpful to you as we look at these seasons of Joseph's life. First major season that Joseph went, went through after receiving his dream was what I call a preparation season. Can you say preparation? From the age of 17 through 30, we see how the jealousy of his brothers caused him to be sold as a slave into Egypt. And for 13 years, he endured a tough preparation season. Then at the age of 30, God promoted him. So the second season is promotion. Can we say that together? Promotion. Then for another 80 years, from the age of 30 through to 110, uh, J Joseph basically spent life at the top. 
He was promoted to being, in effect, prime minister of the greatest empire of the day. And so this third season, I like to call Prosperity for Purpose. Can we say that together? Prosperity for Purpose. The story actually starts with Joseph, a young man of 17, receiving a dream. In fact, it was actually a double dream, and we can see that it was a dream from God. It was a dream of greatness. As a result of that dream, his brothers are jealous, and they put him into slavery, into Egypt. There's something, though, important about us dreaming God's dream for our lives. I don't think you've ever seen Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat, the musical, um, but there's a silly little line that says something like this, any dream will do. Can I say, any dream won't do for your life. The only dream you want is God's dream for your life. And that's what God spoke to Joseph, and that's what God wants to speak to us, whether it's in a literal dream, or whether you just get an impression or a word, you're reading scripture and you suddenly sense, that's what God wants me to do in life. Whether you've are starting out in life, or whether you've been round the block a few times. I believe this weekend, God wants to envision or re-envision any, many of us here in order that we might see what God has for our lives. I remember for me personally that when we started the church that I lead called Kingsgate in the UK over 25 years ago, as we were going to that city, uh, there was only nine of us to start And God started giving us a dream, a vision, to build a large strategic church in a very unchurched city called Peterborough, city of only about 170,000 people, very unchurched. And, And God said to me, he spoke these words, think big or you'll limit me. Think big or you'll limit me. So we started dreaming outrageous dreams about what God could do. But it's one thing to dream a dream, it's another to live the dream. And as we see in Joseph's life, so in our lives, very often before we can actually enter into the dream that God has laid out for us, we need to go into this first season, which I call the preparation season. Question is, why do we need to undergo preparation? Why did Joseph need to go under, uh, undergo preparation? Simply because very often we're not ready to step into what God has called us to. You see, when we get a promise from God, we get a sense of what God's calling us to. There's often a time lag between conception and manifestation. It's a, in, in Moses' case, do you know how mo- long Moses had to wait to be prepared? 40 years. How many know that's a long time to wait? How many like waiting? I hate waiting. <laughs> Jesus' disciples were fast-tracked during their preparation season in three and a half years. Joseph was somewhere in the middle. He had to undergo a long, tough preparation season of 13 years. And through this time, we see that he faced a number of tests. Again, we read about this in Acts 7 verse 9. It talks about how those patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. And if we look carefully at the story we'll see that he faced a number of tests during these preparation seasons. I just want to highlight what I think are the three major tests that he faced that often we have to face in our own lives. The first test is this, forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Forgiveness. Joseph had to pass a very severe test 
of learning to forgive people who'd hurt him. I know that in life, tough things can happen to all of us. People can let us down. People can mess up our lives. But I believe it's important. In fact, it's vital. If we're going to live God's dream for our lives, it's vital that we learn, like Joseph, to forgive those who've hurt us and offended us. I mean, just step back and think with me for a moment of what Joseph had to overcome. He was rejected. He was abused by his own brothers and betrayed. In fact, they nearly killed him. They put him down a pit and then decided to sell him into slavery in Egypt. Do you think when he was in Egypt, he might have just had the odd opportunity to feel sorry for himself? Do you think he may have had momentary feelings of bitterness to the brothers who had seemingly wrecked his whole life? Do you think that was a big hurdle to overcome? I'm sure it was. And then, if that that wasn't bad enough... He then is doing God's will. He's being righteous. A woman comes on to him full on seduction. He decides to run. She accuses him of rape and he ends up in prison in an Egyptian jail. Can I tell you, that was not the Hilton. That was a tough experience. Do you think in prison he may have just had the opportunity to feel resentful towards that woman and her lie and her deception? I'm sure he did. But the thing about Joseph, and I've studied this account for years, you don't trace bitterness. You don't see him getting offended. In fact, he learns to forgive his brothers and he learns to be reconciled later in life. Here's the first important, really important take home is this. If you want to fulfill God's plan for your life, people will offend you. They will mess you around, but you have to learn to forgive them. I heard years ago, somebody coming to a pastor and this lady said to the pastor, my husband has ruined the last 15 years of my life. And the pastor said, if you don't forgive him, he'll ruin the next 15 years of your life. See, if you don't forgive, the person who's getting most messed up is you. If I don't forgive, the person who's getting most hurt is me. First test is forgiveness. We've got to pass that test like Joseph. Second test is this, the faithfulness test. Say faithfulness. This was the test for Joseph of would he be faithful to God, particularly in the area of his sexuality. Here he is, a young man, probably testosterone, all working just nicely, thank you very much. He's away from home, he's alone, he's he's in double danger, because nobody knows him there. And when this powerful Egyptian woman called Mrs. Potiphar comes to him, not with a subtle bit of seduction, but with a full-on assault, basically she says, come to bed with me. How many agree that's not subtle? And what I love about Joseph, it says, he ran. Sometimes people say, well, I'm being tempted and I'm praying about it. And I'm thinking, yeah, pray, but make sure you run while you're praying. (laughs) Now, Mrs. Potiphar can come to us in different guises, maybe male or female, maybe a real person at the office or someone you know, trying to seduce you out of God's best plan for your life. Or it may not be somebody you actually know. It may be some form of internet seduction. I want to tell you, if you right now are being tempted in this whole area of sexuality, can I say, learn from Joseph. Run, 
Run, run. If necessary, disable that thing on your computer. Step back from that relationship you're getting too close to. Make yourself accountable to a, a pastor or another Christian, but run from danger. What I love about Joseph, in the midst of the heat of that battle, he chose to put God and God's purpose first, and God was able to promote him in later years. Let's learn, secondly, to pass that faithfulness test. And at the close of this message, some of you may need to do some business and step back from the brink. Even if you stepped over, come to God and receive his forgiveness. Forgiveness test. Faithfulness test. Third test is this, fruitfulness. Can you say fruitfulness? This was the test of learning to be fruitful and learning to prosper and be successful even when times are tough. Many people, uh, and it's very easy for us to think, well, one day, someday, I'm really going to make it. Someday when I get my big break, that's when I'm going to be successful. When I get into my ideal job, I get into my perfect ministry slot, that's when I'm going to be a world changer. But Joseph learned to prosper. It said God was with him and he prospered and was successful when he was a slave and when he was in prison. There was something about Joseph, his attitude to work, his honoring of God, his honoring of his bosses, even though they weren't great bosses. I don't think Mr. Potiphar would have been a great guy to work with, work for. But because of his attitude, everywhere he went, everywhere he served, even if I can put it like this, in the dead-end job, he worked hard, he was integrous, and he kept being promoted. But I believe what we need to realize is that because he was faithful in the little thing, he learned lessons that when later on, as we'll see in a minute, he gets promoted to, in effect, running Egypt, he'd learned skills in the hard times that meant that he was prepared when the big break did come. For many of you, you may right now feel like you're not in God's A1 job for you. Your long-term future of ministry is not now. Can I encourage you? Don't quit. Don't get weary. Don't get discouraged. Don't wait for someday big break day to be faithful, learn to be effective now and be fruitful in the season where you are. All of us can face these tests, forgiveness, faithfulness, fruitfulness. All of us can go through and probably will go through some kind of preparation season. For me, I know that the preparation season was early days of our ministry life. We'd moved to this city of Peterborough. We had the big dream, but we weren't ready to live it. I remember those first four years when we moved there. We didn't know anybody. We had no experience in church leadership. We were w- having to work on our marriage. We were having to learn to bring up a young family. Then there were financial pressures. Anyone ever had any of those? I mean, I'm talking about real pressure. High mortgage, no disposable income. We literally had to pray month after month for bread on the table. Can I say, I'm so glad that we learned to prove that God is faithful in the tough times and having to pray for the little things when years later we had to believe God for millions of pounds to build a church building and buy land. We realized that the God of the few pounds was the God of the millions. And then there was the issue of 
how do you, how do you build a church in an unchurched city? After that, that core group of nine, after 16 months, we'd grown to a massive 15. And then we had a backdoor revival, and we went down to six. Three of those six was me, my wife, and our daughter. Three other people. And I remember that time thinking, God, I'm failing. I can't do this. I can't build this church. And I didn't actually hear God speak, but my sense was God saying, good, I'm glad we got that settled. I'm the one who's going to build this church. And during that tough time, God was doing what I would say was root work rather than fruit work. God was, if you'd come to us, you'd have think there's not a lot going on here. I tell you, there was a lot going on. God was putting, helping us to put down deep roots in the soil of his grace and faith in his word. And we had to hold on to the promise of God. And we had to work out things about life and how God wants to work and how we relate together and how we believe for great things to happen when nothing seemed to be happening. It was an important season of root work. I remember during that time, another man of God came and prayed over me. And just as he was about to pray, he he said these words over me. The greater the call, the more radical the surgery. How many love words like that? But I knew what God was saying. He says, Dave, I'm I'm preparing you. I'm getting ready for what I want to do in and through you. And so wherever you're at right now, if you're going through... A preparation season, take heart, (coughs) don't give up. The good news is preparation doesn't last forever. And so we come on to the second phase of Joseph's life, and this is promotion. Say promotion. It's an amazing story if you look at it. One day, here he is, like any other day, he's still in prison. He gets a summons to go before Pharaoh, and suddenly, in, in one day, he gets promoted from being prisoner to, in effect, prime minister of the greatest empire of its day. Amazing promotion. Now, for many of us, the promotion doesn't come either as suddenly as that, often it's a process, or as dramatically as that, but here's the truth. I believe that God wants to promote us for his glory and for his purposes. In the UK, we tend to kind of understate things. If you talk about prosperity and promotion and success, people get a bit wary. But I want to tell you, from whatever cultural background we are, the God of Joseph wants to lift his people for his purposes, for positions of great influence, that we might make a difference for Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's not be scared of promotion. In fact, let's expect it, because God wants to bring it to pass. We see in verse 10 of Acts chapter 7 in Stephen's speech, this is the summary of this promotion. It says, God gave But God was with Joseph, and God rescued him from all his troubles, and God gave him favor. Say favor. Favor. God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I don't know you, I love the favor of God. Isn't the favor of God amazing? When God's hand is on you, when his favor is on you, no one or nothing can stop the purpose of God in your life. What we need to realize is that God doesn't want to promote us in spite of us, he wants to do something in and through us. In other words, he wants to use the way he's made you, because he made you the way you are, and he gave you certain gifts. He wants to use those gifts to be the things that will cause the breakthrough and the promotion. Listen, listen to the story here and what he did for Joseph. It said, God also gave Joseph 
unusual wisdom. So that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. In other words, it was the gifts that God gave Joseph, the wisdom that was the key to the promotion that he enjoyed. Question is, what was the unusual wisdom that God gave Joseph? Well, if you look back at the story, the first answer, and it's a right answer, but it's only a partially right answer, is that God gave to Joseph what I call prophetic wisdom. He gave him the ability to interpret dreams. And because of that gift of dream interpretation, he came before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was amazed at the way he interpreted his dreams. And I believe it's important that we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, that we allow him to speak to us. And there are still today gifts of the Holy Spirit, the prophetic gifts that God wants to pour out upon his church and upon his people. Not weird stuff, but the real deal to help people's lives and to help see other people's lives changed. So that's the prophetic wisdom. But if that would the only portion of God's wisdom that Joseph had received, just the gift of dream interpretation, then I don't believe that Pharaoh would have promoted him to run Egypt. He probably would have made him chief of his musicians, you know, one of the the top seers. He certainly wouldn't have given him the running of Egypt just because he was able to interpret dreams. There's a second portion of Joseph's wisdom that God gave him, and it's what I call pragmatic wisdom. Do you know what impressed Pharaoh? Do you know why Pharaoh turned around and said, hey, let's let this guy run the country for us? Not just because he had a prophecy, because he had a plan. How many know if we're going to influence the the towns, the cities, the communities we live, if we're going to be successful, not just in the church, but in the marketplace, we need both prophetic and pragmatic wisdom, and we need the two combined. Very often in church circles, people fight there's like the, the prophetic and the planners fighting. Some people are very, how many of you are naturally very spontaneous? And how many of you are natural planners? We need both if we're going to make a difference. And God used that combination of the prophetic and the pragmatic to promote Joseph to a position of huge influence. As God gives us wisdom, as God gives us his gifts, we can expect that he's going to promote us. As we said at the beginning, I want to celebrate with you how God has promoted Seacoast Church family to a position of great influence. And trust you'd agree with me, we can believe together that the best days of this church are still ahead. Going back to my story and our story, from those early days of backdoor revival and struggle, we started seeing the favor of God. God started promoting us. We started growing and we moved from our home to a community center, to another community center. We outgrew that. We went to a school. We went to another school. And we ended up in rented facilities and outgrowing those in three services. And we decided it's time for us to buy land. It's time for us to think big big again. It's time for us to build a building. I want to tell you, it's time for us to build something large and do something that not many people in the UK at the time were doing. Lord, we want a breakthrough for the sake of our nation. And so we went looking for land. And we found what we thought was a good site. We prayed over it. We raised money for it. We went to planning. And we lost the planning application on a vote of 4-3. I remember coming out of that thinking, God. In fact, I started rebuking the devil. And God said, no, this is me. Cut a long story short. We let that site go. 
we went looking around again. And this time, we came across a site that was double the acreage. Say double. In a better location. We got the support of all the political authorities who backed us. We went back to planning on this site that was double the size in a better location. And we won the planning this time 9-0. Isn't God good? God held back second best in order that we might have his A1 plan for us. God is the God of all seasons. And from that time, we started growing fast. We've been in the building seven years. And then God started saying, I want you to think big again. I want you to think big, not just for one city. I want you to start thinking big for your nation. And so we started um, setting up other locations in cities like Cambridge and most recently Leicester. I was reflecting back three and a half years ago. We were in meeting in two services on a Sunday morning, in one city and one location. Three and a half years later, we now have seven services in five locations in three cities. Why? Because God, God is the God of preparation and God is the God of promotion. Now thousands of people coming, amazing volunteers in different centers. I just wanted to play you a short video clip just to give you a bit of a flavor. Rejoice with me and celebrate at what God is doing in the UK as well as in the US. Let's watch this. Thank you. That song there was written by one of our worship guys, and that phrase, greater things, I don't know about you, but I'm believing now for greater things. I believe God wants to do greater things in our day, all across the world. The Holy Spirit is moving in power. We just had our 25-year celebration as a church, and somebody came to us and basically said, the word you had 25 years ago, think big. Now God's saying, take that word as if it's now. Think big again, this time, not just for a city, but for a nation. So we've declared that our vision for the next 25 years, we want to play our part together with many other great churches and ministries in the UK. We want to see the UK come to God. And I believe greater days are still to come for you. Greater days are still to come for Seacoast. 
God is moving all across, our, all across the nations. Amen. He's the God of promotion. And then thirdly, he's the God of the season of prosperity for purpose. Can we say that together? Prosperity for purpose. What I love about the Joseph story is he doesn't just get to the top and then mess up. I mean, you don't hear reports of you know, immorality and or adul- adultery. You don't hear about dodgy financial dealings. Do you use the word dodgy here? Okay. <laughs> you know, suspect. There's, there's nothing funny going on. No, for 80 years, he managed to stay at the top and keep his integrity. I love it. What a great example to follow. I don't want to be somebody who just, as it were, God promotes, and then, oh, he was yesterday's man. I don't want for you as Seacoast, I don't want for us as Kingsgate, where we were yesterday's people, I want to be today's and tomorrow's people. Amen? Prosperity for purpose. Many people talk about prosperity, and God clearly prospered Joseph. I mean, what influence running an empire? What affluence? Basically, Pharaoh gave him his signet ring. That's like his credit card. Can I tell you, that's worth a lot of money. Credible affluence and influence. So God was not averse to prospering him, but it wasn't prosperity for Joseph's sake. That's where many people get it wrong. It was prosperity for purpose. If you look right back at the beginning when Joseph had that initial double dream, all the dream was was really a dream of greatness. And I think the young, slightly proud Joseph would have thought, oh, I like the idea of being lifted up above my family. But years later, once he's been promoted, he starts reflecting back on why God promoted him. And this was his mature reflection. He said this to his family. It was to save lives. Say save lives. It was to save lives, he said, that God sent me ahead of you. I believe God does want to give affluence and influence to his people. I believe God has raised up this church and is raising up churches all across the world, not for their own sake or for their own glory, but in order that many lives might be saved. In the case of Joseph, if you know the story, he literally brought physical salvation to his own family and to the people of Israel, and thereby fulfilled the prophetic purposes of God. He also, in God's grace, was also also able to rescue the Egyptian people from certain starvation during the famine. And in the same way... God may be literally wanting you and I and us as our churches to be involved in the physical rescue of people from poverty and destitution. God may have given you resources for that very reason. But there's another dimension of salvation that now, as Christians, post-Jesus Christ coming, we need to realize God wants to use us, and it's the spiritual salvation of millions and billions of people from a lost eternity to offer them the gift of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why does God want to bless us? In order that we may may see many people's lives saved. And my prayer for you and my prayer for us is that we may see many, many more lives rescued through Jesus Christ. Amen. You may think, well, that's it. Joseph's at the top. He's saved Egypt. He's saved his family. And yet, If you look back at Genesis, there are a number of chapters still to go, and I haven't got time to unpack them, but it seems to me as if 
those later chapters that are all about Joseph being reconciled to his brothers and being restored to his dad and still in right standing with Pharaoh. It's as if the Holy Spirit's saying, I don't just want you to succeed. I want you to be blessed in every area of life, including and especially in your close relationships. Can I say that God wants, whatever location you're in, whatever family you're in, whatever community you're in, God wants us to be people who learn to navigate relationships well, learn to walk in unity, because according to Psalm 133, where brethren, and should we include the sisters, sistren, dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands the blessing. How many want a commanded blessing on your life? Well, then let's continue to walk in, in unity. Let's learn like Joseph, not only to succeed, but to do life well together with other people. Final thing I want to say is this. Joseph doesn't just live the dream during his life. He learns to play his part and prepare the next generation and leave a great legacy. Say legacy. I, I love Hebrews chapter 11. The writer of the Hebrews goes back and he takes a summary of the Old Testament saints and he picks out one thing about Joseph that he feels is worth remarking on. I think this is incredible. I mean, if you were looking back at Joseph's story, what would you pick out? The way he forgave? The way he became prime minister? The way he rescued a whole nation? This is what the writer of the Hebrews thinks is worthy of reminding us about Joseph's life. It says, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. It's almost funny, isn't it? One thing you want to pick up, what Joseph tells the brothers about, this is what I want you to do with my bones. But I believe the reason that the writer picks this out above all else is there's something about Joseph. He was a man, not just living for his lifetime, he was a man concerned with the legacy and the future of God's purposes in next generation. And I believe God doesn't want us as, he doesn't want Seacoast Church, he doesn't want Kingsgate, he doesn't want you, he doesn't want me to be a one-generational wonder. He wants us to be people who, yes, we do life well, yes, we dream the dream well for our lives, we live God's dream for us, but we also are conscious that we're just one link in a chain in part of God's prophetic purposes for our cities, our towns, our communities, and even our nations. Let's look ahead to the future. Let's invest in our children and our grandchildren and in younger leaders. And let's be those who say, we want to prepare the future. We want to hand the baton on so that God's purposes will continue to prevail beyond our lifetime. Can you say amen? So let's remember, God is the God of all seasons. He's the God of the preparation. He's the God of promotion. And he's the God who wants us to learn to do prosperity with purpose well. I'd like to close by praying for you. Wherever you're watching, wherever you're gathered. I wonder whether you're going right now through a preparation season in your life. Maybe you are facing an intense battle to forgive or to be faithful, particularly in the area of sexual temptation. Or you're struggling with how can I be fruitful where I am right now. If you're in that preparation season in just a moment, I want to invite you to stand and I'd love to pray for you. But I'd also like to pray for any of you who are going through 
actually a very blessed time of your life. You say, yeah, I've described my life as a season of prosperity. Things are going well. And I'd like to invite you to stand too because I believe it's important that we don't forget the reason why God blesses us. And so it's a good opportunity today to rededicate our lives and our resources and say, God, I want to make the most of what you've given me that I might be a tool in your hands for your redemptive purposes on the earth. So if that's you, either in preparation season or or you're in a season of blessing, you'd like me to pray for you. Would you please stand and we're going to pray together. Wherever you're watching, we're going to join together. You might like just put your hand on, on your heart just as a sign of saying, Holy Spirit, I'd like you to touch me. I want to pray right now, particularly for those of you who are struggling, battling with areas of forgiveness, with areas of faithfulness and sexual temptation. I pray right now, by the Holy Spirit, you'll have a grace to forgive. You'll be able to step back from the brink in this whole area of temptation. Even if you stepped over, may you receive forgiveness and grace today. May you be strengthened in the name of Jesus. If you're in a situation where you're struggling to find God's will and be fruitful, I pray right now you'll receive courage. Don't quit. Be strong in the name of Jesus. And then for those of us who say... God, you've blessed us. You've given us so much. Right now, we say, here we are, Lord. Here I am. I rededicate my life, my time, my treasure, and my talents. Use me for your glory and your renown. And help me, Lord, pass on the blessing to next generations in Jesus' name. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray blessing on every person watching and upon this great church family. May you continue to prosper and continue to break into all that God has for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.